How are you folks doing? Good, all right. Well, my name is Estevan Atkinson. Nice to meet you folks. Can, what's, what's your names? Okay, uh, I think I got it. Uh, it's such a joy to be here and to uh, just be at this beautiful church. We're blown away. I was telling Chuck earlier, just at the, uh, the grounds. It's something that we're not used to here in Patterson where I'm from. And uh, it's just such a beautiful church and we're, we're glad to see you folks here today. So thank you for showing up. Um, but my name is Esteban. I do college and career ministry at First Baptist Church in Patterson. Uh, we have a group that shows up at our house every Tuesday. We feed them. It's basically young adults. And um, it's just such a unique time for a person. Uh, it's, a, it's a crucial time, arguably, because you have a lot of people that, that grow up in church, and they go to church because their parents told them or um, because they're used to it, and now that they're an adult, it's up to them, right? So this is a very vital time, very important time. So we have a really good group going, and, and it's, just such a, it's such a blessing to, to be able to minister that way. Um, but it's very nice to be here with all you. It's just such a joy. You know, we, we, we're going through quite a lot in the world, amen? amen? We have, I mean, just recently this stuff with Afghanistan, I mean, it's, uh, it's heart, heartbreaking, absolutely heartbreaking. And what I mean by that is, is I didn't know this, but Afghanistan is the second largest growing church in the world. And here we have people, an oppressive regime, um, finding, hunting down our brothers and sisters in a different part of the world just because they believe and serve after Jesus. And there's atrocities going on. I mean, there's, they're, they're finding them, they're course killing them they're crucifying them um, it's a it's a tough reality um, and and all that being said you know I come here today with a with a heavy heart but a, a joyful one a grateful heart because we get to sit here and say Jesus out loud right we get to we get to meet and sing praises to our Lord and it's just such a joy so I want to encourage you folks even though we have um, a lot of empty pews here, and you have a, you're on your pastor's search. Uh, don't forsake the assembly, not even just by showing up, but in our hearts, uh, because it's such an am amazing joy, and uh, what a blessing just to be here next to our brothers and sisters, like-minded believers. Um, and that's the thing with our society. You know, we, we have been focusing, we live in a society in, in the USA and California, and maybe even Modesto, um, where we focus on nothing but ourselves and our well-being. Speaking of well-being, Everly, can you hand me my water right there? <coughs> my water bottle, please. Thank you so much, baby. This is my daughter, Everly. Say hi. <coughs> she did a good job, yes. <coughs> But we live in a society where fo we focus on nothing but ourselves and our well-being. We live in a society of, of self-service and, and self-preservation <clears throat> uh, versus selfless living and, and sacrifice. And what does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to be a Christian here and in general? I mean, talk about these people in Afghanistan. I mean, these are... These are 
These are our brothers and sisters who are knowingly meeting, knowing that they will be meeting face-to-face with Jesus in just a few weeks' time, just for being a believer. And they're, they're met at a crossroads, but they, they sacrifice their lives knowing what they believe in is what they believe in, and it's true. Their faith, their, their <clears throat> being submissive to one another, being submissive ultimately to the Lord, not provide, not, not a, a preserving themselves, not preserving their social um, justice, but they're in fact submitting to the Lord with their whole lives. <clears throat> so what about us? What about you? Uh, what does it mean in, in the USA? What does it mean here in Modesto? What, what's your mission? What's your mission? What's your goal? How do we live? How do we live in a pastor search? How do we live in a, in a COVID crisis, right? Where people have left and, and here we have few that remain and there's all types of paranoia going on in the world and, uh, and it's just living in fear, right? I mean, have you noticed that or is it just me? Uh, people are living in fear and if you talk about if who's, who's behind all this, I mean, we're living in a world where you can't even meet with people face-to-face. You can't touch people. You can't pray with them. Uh, I mean, that really hinders the gospel, right? So uh, you can kind of see the evil forces at work. And I don't want to get too far into the COVID discussion. Um, that's not what we're here today. But what we're going to discuss today is your mission in times of trials and just trusting in the Lord in that. Your mission in times of trials. And this is a topic that a lot of people don't really like, especially in society, right, with selflessness and submissiveness. And the culture here in the U.S., and especially in California, uh, a lot of people want to ignore this topic, submissiveness. Submissiveness. That word just stings, doesn't it? Submissiveness. Be submissive. Be submissive to your husbands. Be submissive to your, to your wives. Children, be submissive to your parents so we can be submissive to Christ. Submissive. We're, we're doing a young marriage counseling session with a couple. We love them. We, we've seen them grow, accept the Lord. And we just recently talked about Ephesians chapter 5, talking about submissiveness to oneself. And it was, it's so funny because even when you say it out loud, it's like against what the culture teaches, right? We're not to be submissive to anybody. We are our own person. We got to stand up for our rights. We got to stand up for what's right for us, right? But what does it mean as a Christian? Is that what God calls you to? Because it seems to me that God calls us to a life of submission, There's no room for what you want if you're focusing on others and their needs. You know, take time for yourself, people will say, and, and I get that. But at the end of the day, people are right when saying that submissiveness has no importance on yourself, right? It's, you're looking out for others and their needs. Paul understood this when writing to the Corinthians, and that's what we're going to be in. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, so go ahead and turn there if you would, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. He understood that no matter how high you are on the spiritual ladder, even someone like Paul or an apostle of Christ, no matter how high you are on that spiritual ladder, you are to submit 
to one another. You are to submit your entire life to Christ. Your time, your efforts, your money, everything, you're to submit and live unto the Lord. In addition to uh, be a Christian, we, are, we should be characterized as servants, right? Just as Christ served the church and gave himself up for it, died for the church. Um, so we are to submit to ourselves, to each other, excuse me. But why are we servants, right? And if you understand the bigger picture of knowing and loving Christ and recognizing what your life is meant for, when you limit your distractions and focus wholeheartedly on the Lord's will in your life, you will have a perspective like Paul. Let's take a look at, at his perspective because after all, what's life without Christ? Isn't he the one that says to live is Christ and to die is what? Is gain in Philippians 1.20. Let's actually just go there for a minute. Let's go to, sorry, I decided to open up to Corinthians. But we're going to kind of be a little bit around. So Philippians, let's open up to Philippians. <clears throat> My wife wishes she could be here, uh, but she has some sick kids at home. So we're like, you know what? Just runny noses, nothing serious. But I appreciate, she's a live streamer right now. So thanks, Chuck, for bringing that up in the morning. She is very, very excited about that. Let's go to Philippians. Uh, we're going to go to Philippians uh, chapter 1, verse 20. What does it say? Uh, excuse me, 21. For to me, to live is Christ, to die is gain. But I... But if I am to live on in the flesh, this will mean that fruitful labor for me, and I do not know which to choose, but I am hard-pressed from both directions, having the desire to depart and to be with Christ, understandably, right? For that is much better. Yet to remain in the flesh, like where we are here today, to remain in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for the progress and joy in the faith, so that you, so that your proud confidence in me may abound in Christ Jesus through my coming to you again. So, for to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. There's not much exception there. For me to live is to hang out and golf on Sundays, and uh, that's that's it, right? Or to me to live is to enjoy my motorcycle riding. Uh, in fact, we actually did ride on a motorcycle today. My my daughter and I from Patterson. And it was our first time on the back of it. And uh, we have some property in Del Porto Canyon. And we do a lot of, a bunch of riding up there. And, and the girls will all ride. Cause just to let you know, I have, this, this is my oldest daughter here with me today. Uh, we have four kids at home. We're going to have another one expecting on October 16th. So be praying. Uh, so yes, it's going to be a large family. <laughs> uh, but when uh, people see my wife, they're like, oh, is it your first? And they're like, she's like, my fifth. What? Because she looks not her age. She looks much younger. Um, but she's 30 years old. I'm, I'm 32 years old. Uh, but we, we're just so grateful. But anyway, I go on tangents. At college and career, we do this often, and they always have to reel me back. So you folks, I'm trusting on you, Chuck, uh, to reel me back in. Um, anyway, to live is 
Christ, not but motorcycle riding, right? To live is Christ. It's your whole life, your whole life. That's why God says count the cost before you come to him because you're a servant. You've been bought with a price. There's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, right? We've been bought. We're a slave to him. So submissiveness, let's talk about that. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Submissiveness. Again, it's a godly perspective like Paul, and we're going to talk about that. Let's go ahead and read uh, chapter 9, 19 through 23. It's going to be a short chapter. I'm not going to keep you here too long. So thanks for bearing with me. It says this in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19 through 23. And I'm reading through the New American Standard. It says this. It says, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a slave to all, so that I may win more. To the Jews I became as a Jew, so that I might win Jews to those who are under the law. As under the law, though not being myself under the law, so that I might win those who are under the law. Verse 21. To those who are without law, as without law, though not being without the law of God, but under the law of Christ, so that I may win those who are without the law. Verse 22. To the weak, I became weak. Why? That I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, so that I may be all means save some. I do all things for the sake of the gospel, so that I may become a fellow partaker of it. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run? But only one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath. But we, an imperishable. Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air. But I discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for your amazing grace. We sung that this morning, and it is so profound. Father, your grace is abundant, lavishly poured out on us wretched sinners. Father, I pray that your spirit will work in the hearts of those listening today, whether in person or online. Father, I pray, Lord, that your will would be done. Father, that your kingdom would come. And Lord, we just are so grateful for the opportunity to speak freely about the things that you've done and died for. Father, help us. Help us to remember to be servants. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Let's go to 19 in 1 Corinthians 9. For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a slave to all. I have made myself a slave to all. What does this mean? Again, we've been talking about submissiveness. And again, the theme for today, if you're to put a, a quote on what to do on this, what's our mission in times of trials? What's our mission in life? And this is it. Through trials, through tribulation, this is our mission, is to go and preach the good news. Right? It's not just the preacher's job. It's your job to do that. God has called you to work. Verse 19, so it says, for though I am free from all men, I have made myself a slave to all. A slave to all. Let's take a look above at verse 15. It says, for I have 
use none of these things, and I am not writing these things so that I will be done so in my case, for it would be better for me to die than have any man make my boast an empty one. Verse 16, for if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of, for I am under compulsion. For woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this voluntarily, I have a reward, but against my will, I have a stewardship entrusted to me. What then is my reward that when I preach the gospel, I may offer the gospel without charge so as not to make full use of my right to the gospel? It says the gospel, it propels people. He says it's my duty. The good news is my life's goal. Is it your life goal? Is it your life goal? And I love how it says, for though I am free from all men, Though I am freed from all men. What does that even mean? You see, Paul does not owe anyone anything. You know, Paul was the, if you remember who he was when he was Saul, he was the highest of high in terms of high priest. And uh, he was even there at the stoning of Stephen. And he, by himself, was taught by the Lord in the wilderness. And, uh, and he says he owes no one anything. He owes no one anything, but yet he has subjected himself to man. He has been made a slave. He's laid, stripped down his rights to be a slave as if they were, they were his master. He became a servant, a willful and voluntary servant. He became a slave. He has waived his rights as an independent man and willfully subjects himself to men. But why? Was it for money? Was it because he's going to get a really nice brand new motorcycle? Was it for the status? Right? Maybe the praise of men? No. It was in order to carry out the greater mission of the gospel so that he could, what, win more, the text says in verse 19. Win more to Jesus. What a perspective, folks. Can you imagine how different your life would be if you woke up every morning and, and lived like this? You know, that Starbucks line might not get you so upset if it takes a long time, right? Or maybe your phone, your iPhone's taking too long to load the directions. Or, or maybe, I don't know, you fill in the blanks. But man, if we lived our lives with that perspective, how different would it be? How different would our neighbors see us? Do your neighbors even know you? Do your neighbors know that you're a believer in Christ? You know, how are we living outside of church? How are we living with our lives, really? You know, examine that. Examine that as we go on. Because Christ says, I've, I'm a servant. I've subjected myself to the gospel. And that's the number one reason why I'm alive. To live is Christ. To live is Christ. To die is gain. Let's take a look at 20 through 21. To the Jews, I became as a Jew. Why? So that I may win Jews. And I love this. Keep, keep reading here. It says, to those who are under the law as under the law, they're not myself being under the law because, again, Jesus Christ has fulfilled that. So that I might win those who are under the law. So he is, to a Jew, he's becoming a Jew. He's eating with them. He's talking with them. He's meeting with them in the synagogue. He has completely devoted his life, his work, even though he has complete freedom in Christ so that he might win those who are under the law. 
To those who are without laws, without law, though not being without the law of God, but under the law of Christ, so that I might win those who are without law. Law or no law, I will become that person to these people so that I may win more to Christ. Take a look at 22. It says, to the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. To the weak, to the weak, I became weak, that I may win the weak. Interesting. What are the weak here? What do you folks think the weak are? The weak. He stooped to make the gospel clear to the lower level of those who comprehended it. He became weak. He even sought out the people that might be like, what? What is this gospel? Like, I don't understand it. Like, how can it be? Have you ever preached the gospel of someone and they just did not understand? Or maybe you even saw someone that you're like, I don't know if they would ever even, even understand. So maybe, maybe I don't even preach the gospel to them. You know, we do that on a regular basis in the supermarkets when we encounter people. And, and Lord, forgive us. But Paul says to the weak, to anyone, to the weak, to the high, whatever it might be, I became that person in order to win these people over to, the Christ, to Christ. And I love this next part in verse 22. What does he say afterwards? He says, I've become all things to all men so that I may be all means, excuse me, so that I may by all means save some. I've become all things to all men. You know, we've, I love this, all, all things to all men. In the Greek, it actually says, I am made all things to all men. I am made all things to all men. I am made all things to all men. It's like someone that is built with a purpose is made that way, so he's this way to all men. My, uh, we've been doing some work in our backyard. We've done a lot of crazy stuff. We had a pool back there, and it was cracked, and we have kids now, and so we're like, you know what? Let's get this thing out. So we demoed the pool out. Now we filled it in, and we put a concrete slab up, and we're just doing all this work. We've got a place set up there. And there's a lot of little rocks in the dirt. And so my daughters, they, being creative, six, five-year-olds, um, actually five and four-year-olds, they're going to be six and five next month. Uh, but they got these little rocks and these little twigs, and they start building little houses. And they had, there's all these little houses right here. And of course, I've got to clean this stuff up, so I've got to break their art, right? But they're building these little houses. And they said, what are these houses? And they said, these are ant houses, so the ants can live in them. And I said, that's really, and they were really cool. They're really nice little houses. But those little houses had purpose. And those purpose was for those ants. Whether they went in there or not, who knows. Uh, but they built, they built those houses with a purpose. No little animals can fit in there. It's not for mom and dad to go in there. They're for the ants. And in the same way, I know it's a silly analogy, but in the same way, Paul was built for the purpose. He has been made all things to all men. His life isn't just about a certain group. It's not about a higher person or a lower person. It's to everybody. His mission is to proclaim the gospel. And I love that. He says, I am made all things to all men. I love that. In the same way Paul was built and set apart and saved for a purpose. That purpose was to proclaim the gospel, to preach the good news of Jesus to all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So here we are. Upset when that Starbucks line drive-thru is too long. 
upset when we don't get our way, when our Walmart, Walmart order, the pickup order takes too long to put our groceries in. I mean, have we lost our mind? Have we lost our focus sometimes? I mean, think about these people in Afghanistan that are meeting, knowing that they will die, not just an easy death. These people are being stoned. These people are being mutilated. Their families, their kids. Just to have the opportunity that we have every Sunday. Just to have the opportunity to live out our lives. And here we are. What do we do? What's our perspective, right? What's our mission? What's our goal? I've been thinking about this Afghanistan a lot lately. I'm not, not sure if you could tell. But it's weighing heavy on me. Verse 23, let's take a look. Verse 23, it says, I do all things for the sake of the gospel. I do some things for the sake of the gospel. No, it doesn't say that. I do the things for the gospel when I feel like it. No, it doesn't say that. It says, I do all things for the sake of the gospel so that I may become a fellow partaker of it. I do all things. You might think to yourself, you know, to weasel yourself of whatever apprehension that you have that's holding you back that this guy Paul is on a different level or he's too crazy or, you know, he's an apostle. Of course he's going to talk like this. No, he is your brother in Christ. He is like-minded. He has the same spirit of God living in him that is living within you. The same, the very same. You think the Lord disapproves of this? Absolutely not. You think the Lord is, is going to give you some vacation days as a, as a Christian or maybe some sick days? We all like our work sick days, right? I'm going to call them sick or uh, I'm going to go on vacation. We're going to go this place and just not work. But folks, as a believer, we're not afforded vacation days. There's no vacation days as a believer. You know, there's, there's, you're devoted. You're dis- discipled. For all, I do all things for the gospel. But that's what Paul says, and he knows that there's no vacation days. Sick days? No, whatever the case it may be. No, he delights, God delights in the handiwork of his saints. What a blessing. So why? Let's take a look at 24. It says, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? I love this, because the Olympics have been on. You folks watch the Olympics? Some of you did, some of you didn't. You know, I know there's a lot of controversy going on with the Olympics, and I get that. Um, but the running is, is incredible. In fact, in, in Corinth, during Paul's time, this really was a, a, a relatable uh, analogy, metaphor here. Because in Corinth, there was the Olympics. And everybody knew that there was the Olympics, and people were running, and they enjoyed it. Um, so this is something that he, he really hit home with. And he says, do you not know that those who run in a race all run? And it's true. People in a race run. Everybody runs in the race. But only one wins first prize, right? Only one will win the race. And I want you to think about these runners for a minute. And this is why it, it, it hit home with the people in Corinth, the church in Corinth. Because these runners, how many of you are runners in here? Or at one time were runners in here, right? A couple of us, I try to take my handiwork in running 
I'll tell you what, I, I don't like it. Um, but it's good. It's really good. But it's, a, it's, it's hard work. Oh, my word, it's hard work. When you go a mile, two miles, three miles, some people even run 26 miles. Whew. I mean, that takes discipline. You can't be eating cheeseburgers all day long and have a cheeseburger body and go, you know what, I'm going to run a marathon today. You, who, who wants to go run a marathon with me after church? Does anyone want to? No? Okay, no one. No hands. Okay, I got one hand. Okay. Uh, one brave soul. But when you're a runner, when you're an athlete, it takes discipline. Your diet changes. Your, your regiment changes. You're your working out. You're saying no to certain things. You're, you're forcing yourself to live in a way that would make you what? Win that prize. Being a, an athlete is a, an incredible analogy as a believer. As a believer, we're called to be disciplined. You're called to live in a certain way, to rearrange your whole life to be to win that prize, right? This is what God has called us to. We're not just called, oh, if you want to run the race, go ahead. You could all run the race, but guess what? Only one wins the prize. Does that make sense? You folks with me? Okay, we're, you're with me. Cool. And I love that in verse 24, 24. It says, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? But listen what Paul says, run in such a way that you may win. Are you running in a way, in such a way that you may win? Again, what's your life? What's your life? Don't lose sight. What's your mission in times of trial? What's your mission as we're searching for a pastor? What's our mission when the pews aren't as full? It's to serve. It's to serve. You're to serve your life for him. That doesn't change, folks. Take a look at 25. It says, everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. I love that. Exercises self-control in all things. This is a tough one, self-control. We can't tell ourselves no. We can't tell ourselves to quit. We can't tell ourselves to keep going. Why? Because it's self-control. It's hard. It's Self-control is hard. And it's hard because it's, it's hard. There's a, so many distractions weighing on you. There's so many things that are just pulling on your life. We got electronics. We got things on the internet that are coming in our way. We got the news. We have everything that you could think of. Stuff with family, sickness. We have all this distraction. And it's hard for us to discipline ourselves. It's hard for us to run in such a way that would help us win that prize, but folks, self-control. It says, everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in, in all things. Is it hard work? Yes. But guess what? It's something you signed up for. Is it worth it? Yes. Absolutely is it worth it. Amen? Good night. Is it worth it? This life, God, Paul says that this, this life is like a mist. It's like a mist. You're here one moment and you're gone the next. I know that, folks, you might be tired today. You might be going, I can't wait to be into the next world, like how Paul says, to live as Christ and to die as gain, right? I might I want to be with Christ, and praise the Lord for that. But while you're here, folks, God has given you breath. you got work to do. 
you got work to do. It's no days off. Let's take a look. It says everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath. Talking about the runners. They're winning a prize that will perish. But we, an imperishable one. Isn't that great? Have you ever had something that you really liked? Something that was materialistic here and, and it broke. Or you lost it or someone stole it. You know, I woke up this morning and my mother-in-law was watching our kids. I was working late yesterday and she decided to spend the night on the couch and she woke up this morning and we're all eating breakfast together, just having a great time. And she goes, did you leave? I have a work truck with a toolbox in the back. She goes, did you leave your, your toolbox open all night? I was like, what? Someone had broken into my toolbox this morning or sometime in the night and stolen some things out of my toolbox. Things will get lost, folks. These earthly possessions that we have will go. Newsflash. I'm not sure if you knew that or not. The world and its desires will what? Pass away. But the, whoever does the will of God will live forever. First John tells us that. Don't run the race for a perishable wreath. Don't. You'll be sorely disappointed. But we as believers, we run the race for an imperishable, one that moth and rust do not destroy. Where thieves do not break in and steal. Folks, we have an imperishable wreath. Is it worth it? You bet. Absolutely. Let's take a look at 26. Therefore, this is Paul's perspective here. He says, therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air. Live in a way that proves you're dedicated. Live in a way that, like these runners that are disciplined, focused, laser focused, sacrificing. We are called disciples for a reason. Discipline, disciple. You notice how similar those words are spelled? Discipline, disciple. We are those who practice discipline. We are disciples. Don't live your life here, folks, without focus. Don't beat the air like a boxer. Just don't run without a, a, a purpose. Don't lose sight of your goal. Like running, uh, you know, training to win that race. You don't forget, oh, yeah, I should be training for that race. Um, maybe I should start getting on that. It's going to be tomorrow. Uh, they have dedicated their life, right? They dedicated their life, their time, their actions to this race. There's no difference with you. There's no difference with us. Take a look at 27. This is going to be our last verse here. Thanks for bearing with me. Appreciate it. It says, but I discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Discipline your body. Make it a slave. Do not be disqualified by your distractions. Don't let your worldly passions and lusts make you lose sight of your goal. Don't let COVID-19 make you lose sight of your goal. 
Don't let trials of this world make you lose sight of your goal. What's happening in Afghanistan and in the world or in our country, don't make that lose sight of your goal. Don't let the distraction and the preservation of of your health lose sight of your goal. Folks, there is distractions everywhere. Don't lose sight of your goal. Run the race. Discipline your body. Discipline yourself, your mind. Every day we are called to the mission field. Every day we interact with unbelievers at the grocery store, at the, in the line, whatever it might be, outside. When was the last time that you explicitly preached the gospel to someone? Boldness, folks, boldness. And I'm not sitting here harping on you. I'm saying in general. I'm not pointing you folks out. I'm preaching to myself too. This is something that we are continually struggling with. And this is why God gives us the strength and the ability to, to preach or to, uh, to pray to him and to ask for strength. You know, your worries and your distractions, those things are going to pass away. And only one thing will remain. And those things are what you've done for the kingdom. And don't waste it. Don't waste time. Don't waste life. Train, folks. Train hard. Know God's word. Be in God's word. Pray. Pray continually. Pray without ceasing, God's word says in 1 Thessalonians. 2 Timothy 4, 2, it says, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. God doesn't care how old you are. God doesn't care how young you are. God says to be ready in season and out of season. And this implies that there's seasons where you go, there's in seasons and there's out of seasons, just like vegetables, right? And right now we're arguably in an out-of-season world where everybody's inside, no one wants to talk, but be ready in that season. Be ready even in the times where it might seem like you're out of season. Be ready to preach the good news, just like how Paul says, I have subjected myself to be a slave. I've become a Jew to the Jews. I've become weak to the weak. Why? So that I might win those to Christ. Don't lose sight of your mission. God has given you marching orders You're a slave to him. God has given you work to do. Don't lose sight. And, you know, I'm not sure what's going on with this church. You know, this is my first time here, and you folks have just been absolutely wonderful, beyond measure. Such a blessing to be here and to know you. And this building is incredible. You have grounds. You have classrooms. You have a gymnasium, Chuck was telling me about. Um, I'm not sure what's going on with this church. And, And, you know, you folks are without a pastor at this point. And I know there's been something going on with the worship team leaving. You said the, the, the worship team left for a different church. And, you know, I don't know all the details, and I don't need to know all the details in, in the ins and outs. But know this, folks. Your mission does not change. Your mission does not hinge on the health of a pastor that's here or a worship body that's here or empty classrooms or empty pews. Your mission stays the same, and that is to serve. That is to submit yourself to Christ and to be all things to all men so you may preach the good news. Are you ready? Are you ready in season? Are you ready out of season? Are you ready? You know, it doesn't change. Whether this church is here in 50 years or it's here next week, your mission doesn't change. So submit yourselves to the Lord. Submit yourselves to the Lord. Submit yourselves in service to one another. 
Be all things to all men in order to encourage and to build up the body so we can all run that race and finish well. With that, let's, let's pray and we'll close. And we're going to have an invitational. Um, let's, let's pray. Stand with me if you would, please. Father, thank you, Lord, for the abundant grace that you have on us. Father, Lord, we, we just pray, Father, for this church. We pray that you would strengthen and lift up this church. We pray for everybody that's in this room hearing what your word says about the mission that you've called us to, Lord. Help us to learn from Paul. Help us to be all things to all people and help us to live in a way that would be, we, we would be ready in season and out. Be ready to preach the good news that you have saved and you have redeemed us from the pits of hell. Lord, that you have died on the cross for our sins. Father, that you are who you say you are and that you are all sovereign. Lord, thank you for just even the privilege and the opportunity to preach your word. Father, forgive us when we don't. Father, forgive us when we choose ourselves instead of choosing you. And Lord, we pray that you would strengthen us and that you would encourage us and give us opportunities to flex those muscles, to flex the knowledge that we have in you. And we love you, Lord, and we thank you for all things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.